self-care. Soul care, book care, it's time to celebrate life. Hello, good people. And welcome to another episode of Books and Bubbles. I'm Brianna. And I'm Brittany. Here at Books and Bubbles, we read and review books by Black and brown authors across the world, across the globe. And in the process of reviewing these books, we also indulge in a little bubbly. And our bubbly is also created by black and brown people. So welcome back to our August episode. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hey. Welcome back. Welcome back. I heard about how Mace done the Okido Fabio foreign. How much he signed him for? $2,500? None of it made sense, but I just—I was trying to read it. Then he owed him like five thousand. It was something so petty. I was like, "Was he that thirsty for money that he signed for twenty five hundred? I don't know. I was beyond, yeah, I was beyond confused, and I was like, "This article must not be up to date because these numbers make no sense." Then I was like, "Maze, let me find out you a crooked pastor because if you was gonna do that, you could stay with Diddy. What you got out for?" I'm just saying because he was pressed with Diddy for stealing from him. Thank you. And then clearly, you're doing the same thing. You for the streets. Right. None so of that. So we are here. We are back. We are trying out a new recording platform. So if we sound a little different, we're trying to work out some of the kinks. Yes. Yeah, um, so Brianna has moved on me. Yeah. I'm not by myself. So we are in different spaces, which is very different for us. We normally kind of feed off the same energy in the same room. But I mean, I guess we're going to thank God for her coming up and out. But I'm pressed. I'm pressed. You know what? We lived in the same city, but we was like, yo, Miami and JT. Did we hang out? Rarely. We have different. Did we have a different set of friends? Yes. Because Brenna has different interests. Yes. Brenna homebody and I'm for the streets. Thank you. <laughs> so she acted like I was her, I was her out and about buddy, y'all. You my baby bed. She need to bring my baby bed. That's all she care about. She want kids. I'm be honest, y'all. Let's be honest. When y'all have children, do, do people stop caring about y'all? Because that's kind of how I feel. It's very petty, actually. Nobody checks on the mother. Mm-mm. It's sad. Like, hey, Brianna, put the baby on the phone. Oh, okay. Thank you. Pretty much. We can talk. We all babble together. We babble. Thank you. Girl, let's tell the people about everything. So, little Drizzly shout out. What's up? Yes, we are still partnering with Drizzly. Drizzly is an online platform where you can order your wine, beer, and liquor to be delivered straight to your door. Drizzly will be able to deliver those items to you in 60 minutes or less. So, you getting it quick, 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 quick. You can also set up Drizzly to be delivered at a future time. If you have an event coming up, you just want to check the wine and liquor off your list. Because sometimes um, the party gets turned up and who's trying to lead a party? Right. Not me. So all, all of the wines that we've done so far have been available through Drizzly. So as you're listening to this podcast and you realize you forgot to pick up the bubbly, go ahead and download the Drizzly app. Use our link in the bio of our Instagram to do it or in the description box of this podcast episode so that way we can get a little credit for sending you over to drizzly yo if you are a first time drizzly user you will get some money off get this money off yes so use drizzly and we are still um 
working with them and they're a great brand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look out on our social media for periodic like money off discount codes, things like that. Yes. And speaking of social media, we are now on TikTok. Hey, with the young kids, T. With the children, T. So I will say I was hesitant about TikTok because our former president, Trump, definitely was talking about China and TikTok. And I know it was ignorant, but I was like, I don't want them all in my business. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So that's about that. But, you know, so I was like, you know, I held off, held off. And it was like, TikTok is what the street's talking about. So we're on. So it's at Books. With the S, so B-O-O-K-S. I feel like Bootsy. B-O-O-S-I. Period. Bubbles. B-U-B-B-L-E-S. You will find us on there. So we are building content. And I've really been enjoying TikTok. Y'all are wide open on there. Y'all do whatever y'all want to do. Um, And y'all just seem to have a lot of time. Yes, and I will add the TikTok handle to the description like I do for the rest of our social media. So follow us on everything, including TikTok. Um, We're posting all month. This is how you follow up with us in between episodes. So follow us on social media. You won't be disappointed. Yo, come on, plug. So that's kind of where we are. So Brianna moving. I'm about to start another school year. Y'all pray my strength in the Lord because that's just where I'm at right now in this place. The tourists going back to school. Um, yeah. my county has not gone back, but Brittany when y'all go to school, back, I think October, August 29th, something like that. Oh, y'all still got time. Y'all do whatever y'all want up North. Y'all just be like, we ain't gonna never go to school. Right. I think in like DC, they don't go back to like Labor Day. I'm just like, so y'all just be in school. I be trying yeah. to figure out when kids go back that late, when do they stop going to school? I know like in DC, so the end of, DC, New York would be like the end of June. I'd be like, okay, we three weeks into the summer and the children still be up there. See, so I'd rather start you know, early than... Yeah, pretty much. I think because y'all go by like the weather. It don't be air conditioned in some of them buildings. It's not for me. What? Seriously? I'm in New York. I don't think no way in Carolina. I don't got no air. Everybody be dead. You remember on ATL <laughs> when the boy was in that in them slow classes and he was in that hot class? Yeah, Girl, they knew the children who not in honors any type of way. And that was yeah. Georgia. I hope everybody got air, y'all. Because <laughs> I know them classrooms would be hot, even with a fan. It is sad. All right. So let's get into this wine. Where we at? No, we're at Dot Spot, y'all. Oh, I sorry, I was ready you to You don't want to say she's our and she had like she's confused about the order of the show. <laughs> y'all. We're at Dot Spot. Okay, so you're right. This you're right. is a newer segment, but we did do this with our last episode. So Doc Spot is our opportunity to give you our self-care, soul care, and book care tips. Okay. But we kind of revamped and renamed it since we both have our doctorates and we figure why not incorporate okay. that into this podcast. So this is Doc Spot. And we will go ahead and get started with the soul care tip. We're going to kind of split it up. We'll both assist with this section. So our soul care tip is going to be be selfish. Mm. What do you mean by be selfish? I mean, regardless of who you live with, who you're responsible for, what your day-to-day tasks are, take a piece of every day and be selfish. Choose to do something that you enjoy. 
five minutes, an hour, two hours, whatever you feel like you need and whatever you feel like is incorporated and will fit into your day. Take a moment to do something that you truly enjoy. Life is short. So even if you're a pet parent, a human parent, a wife, a husband, whatever, you're still you and you still have to take an opportunity to be able to do things that make you happy. So be selfish this week, this Mm. month, this year, um, and take a few minutes to do something that you really like to do. You better come on. That is the soul care tip. And what about our self-care tip? All right. So going on that same vein, we've talked about this before, how much PTO time is wasted. If you saw our social, that was kind of the theme of our latest reel, like literally billions of dollars are wasted. And so a lot of the reason that people don't vacation, they don't plan for it. So the way you plan your doctor's visit six months in advance, the way you plan for Christmas, whatever, your vacation. So we are cruisers, my household. And so before we lead a cruise, we have to book the next cruise. One is cheaper, but two, it forces us to create a schedule of vacation. So I find when possible, if you schedule your vacation while you're on vacation, you're more apt to go. Because then you say, okay, in six months or a year, this is where I'm going and my job will figure it out in a sense of now I got time to put in my time what requested versus waiting for them to say, it's like, no, this is my time. So um, planning vacation while you're on vacation is our self-care. Because when you're feeling good, you'll be like, oh, I'm definitely doing this. But when you get caught up in life, you're like, you push it back, you push it back, mm-hmm. push it back. So uh, vacay while you're on vacay. Plan your vacay. Because yes. it does make a difference. Like Jesus Lord, said, I need a vacation. I'm going okay. to No, that's happening. That's happening right now. All right. Yeah, so then some paper. Okay. So going into book care. So we want to talk about setting reading goals. So we have all types of goals in life, but reading goals. So if you read a lot on Apple books, then they'll give you like reading goals. You can set them, but I think Apple starts off with like a five book a year reading goal. Um, and then you can adjust it if you want to make it more intense. For me, I'm done with that in like a month. Um, <laughs> that five book. Um, but Goodreads actually has a good reading challenge for 2022. Um, and that's something else you can do. So setting goals to so say you same way you would for fitness, healthy eating, your job. Um, you can do the same thing with reading. And that's a great way to ensure that you are reading. Right. And so with the Goodreads challenge, if you don't already have an account, you create an account. You go in, you give the number of books that you want to read. Choose your genres, and then you can select the books that are on your list. And then Goodreads will assist you in keeping track of those books for the year. So definitely set some reading goals. Just like any goals, it will help you be able to increase the amount of books that you're able to experience. Um, Because sometimes we just get busy. And by setting those reminders, we're more likely to do it. So though that is our doc spot for this episode. Yo. Hope you can put some of those recommendations into practice. So let's go ahead and get into this bubbly. Now it's time. I've been waiting. Yeah. It's bubbly time. Bubbles. Bubbles. Ooh. Bubbles. Bubbles. Ooh. Bubbles. Bubbles. Y'all gonna be beating on the table at cafeteria. Okay. No, just kidding. I'm I won't really no good beater either. Thank you. Okay, fight me. Thank you.
episode is the Black Girl Magic Bubbly Rosé. Ooh. And Um, so they kind of like implemented this can collection. I want to say like a year ago, it's a newer thing, but it's super cute. It definitely reminds me of like a fun summer picnic. Mm -hmm. Um, And this particular option, this bubbly rosé is a sun-kissed, ripe and fresh rosé with aromas of fresh strawberry and tangerine This delightfully bright wine has a touch of sweetness and a lingering juicy finish. You should always serve chilled. um, And one can of this wine equals a half bottle. So it is going to take you there. And then it's like, it's in a can. So people think, oh, you're not drinking that much, but you're drinking a half bottle. So you can also really indulge without people judging you. Okay. Let me tell you how authentic this is. So I tried the bubbly red, which they had, which I think I like a little bit more. And I was like, dog, I really can't finish this. Didn't know it was a half bottle of wine. And that's how I was like, yeah, I'm tapped out. Thank you. Um, Two cans now. One (laughs) bottle of wine. So let you turn up if you want to at the party. You literally had a whole bottle. And so it's 12 sisters, Thank you. McBride sisters were not playing games. They weren't playing games. This bubbly rosé will get you there. And it makes sense because it's about $6 and change right. a can. Because I was like, why is it so high? But now it's like literally half a bottle of wine. So right. it makes sense. Yeah, because the 12-pack is something around $100. But yeah, mm-hmm. it makes sense because you're getting six bottles of wine. So that's realistic for sure. Um, so definitely check this out as summer comes to an end this would be super cute for beach day picnic anything Mm -hmm. so poolside check out the McBride sisters collection and their canned wines we are drinking the bubbly rosé but like Brittany said they also have the bubbly red which she actually preferred yeah I think the red I mean rosés tend to be a little drier some people like really have a sweeter rosé which I like but rosé always has like a dryness to it so right but it's 12 5 it's a little kick hence why I try to do the bubbly spot before dark spot so clearly it impacted me yeah yeah it impacted me check it out check it out I know it's at Target it's probably also at Total Wine and check it out on Drizzly so this episode, if you remember, we are reading The Poet X mm. by Elizabeth Acevedo. Y'all, did I do a good job? Or is it Acevedo? I really try. I don't it's know. It's either or. And whatever it we is, apologize. Is Elizabeth. Um, so this book is like short. The audiobook, I think, was three hours and change. Like three and a half. Right. Depending on which so, speed, it was like two. 50. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a YA book. So it's pretty short. Um, I would say it's a fairly easy read. There mm-hmm. is some like Spanglish. So she does do a good job of kind of like incorporating that within the next couple sentences. So you can kind of get a picture of what was being said. Right. Um, but it's definitely true to her Dominican roots. And she tries to be as authentic as she can with like the mother figure um, but I think overall it's a good book. She does narrate the book on mm-hmm. Audible, which is also very cool because that's not something you get a lot with the author actually doing the reading of the book. Um, and so she does a great job. The audiobook is actually very good. I like it. 
No, she definitely. tells the story very well. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point, if you're not used to like listening to Spanish or you don't speak Spanish, um, I had to slow down my audio, my audible. So normally I re- listen to the books more than like one point speed because that's like slow to me. I was like, Ooh, let me come down. <laughs> um, cause you know, Spanish, the cadence is like a lot faster than English. Right. So I did find that and it's like in verse. So that definitely made a difference. For sure. But overall a good read. So we're, because the way the book is structured, there's only a a couple characters, and I feel like everything centered around our main character, Ziamata. We thought it would be easier just to kind of do questions yes. um, versus going through the book through like plots or characters or whatever. So definitely agree. Um, some of the themes, though, that pop up are like mother daughter relationships, religion, homosexuality in the church, first love, which is always super cute. Um, voice and voicelessness, the church and sexuality, um, silence and men, and then like unwanted like advances, harassment, um, but some really great things. And I love the fact that, you know, this character is in high school and you think these are super adult things, but when you like think back to your experiences, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, a lot of times you realize you are really having these very adult thoughts, even though now I'm sure you have like more language for them. They don't just start at 30. Um, so it seems like she's young, but when I put myself back in my 16 year old stuff, I'm like, I had a lot of these same questions. I just didn't necessarily have the language that I do now, but the experiences were just as real. Right. Very true. Um, there are a lot of themes. Brittany really hit a lot of them head on, especially some of the primary themes in the book. Um, I think the book was very well done. I think that Elizabeth really gets into the mind of this 16-year-old Ziomata and does a good job of just kind of like trying to express and even put words on all the emotion that you feel at this age. You're really okay. just coming into yourself. There's so many things you have questions about and you're still at this point where it's like you have to do what your parents want you to do, but there's this spirit in you that wants to do what you feel is the right thing to do, mm-hmm. um, but without causing issues at home. Uh, and you're just kind of, it's a, it's a weird place to be in. It's it's a difficult age. Um, and Ziamata does a great job of expressing all of the emotion yeah. and anger and feelings that are coming as this kind of like coming of age for her. No, definitely. I would love to have somebody like her as a student. Um very intuitive, but quiet. One of those things you don't know. Like when I used to have my students journal, that's when you get all day tea. Like, oh, all right. that's going on. Um, so that token team where I say nothing, you would never know the child's having this many thoughts. And then you realize you got like a whole another world in your head. But definitely. So we can get into these questions. Are you ready? I just oh, don't. So she's doing the dive in it. Right. And yeah. I don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you want to ask? You want me to ask? What, what we Go ahead. Ask? Yeah, you can ask. All right. So question number one, what do you think of Acevedo's, Acevedo's decision to write the novel in verse? Take one to stay with it. Stay with it. Okay. <laughs> we so <laughs> sorry, Elizabeth. We have to be better. <laughs> to write the novel in verse, what effect did this have on the telling of the story? And did it shock you the way it shocked me that she had the whole book in verse? Um, so I was a little surprised when it first started. It took me a second to get into it in the audiobook. 
Um, yeah. Just like, it just was like, okay, we in here. So it took me a second to like figure out what was going on and like, but as the book progressed and I got a grasp on the characters and the story, it kind of made it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then it creates these like super short chapters and then she right. creates these stories around the titles of the chapters. So um, I liked it actually. It, yeah. I feel like it does take you a second, but it really fits with the theme of the character in the story. And so when you think back as the reader, um, you know how like you hear a song and you think to yourself, wow, they created this, you know, mm-hmm. the thought that must have gone into hearing the production, creating lyrics to fit this production. And then everybody kind of going around and creating a chorus. So that's kind of how I felt. She, Elizabeth had this story she wanted to tell. She created this entire experience of verse around this poet. And so it's actually very well done. No, I think she was like absolutely brilliant. Similar to Brandon, I I did it. I listened on Audible. Um, Once I found it was in verse, it really made me want to actually get a copy of the book and just to see the poetry of it because it just sounds so beautiful. Um, and then she continued it. So when she first started, I was like, oh, she about to be real cute and jump out and poetic language and verse. And then she's going to switch it up. She never does. Um, and it's just absolutely brilliant. It reminds me of like when you read like Shakespeare in the sense of like, wait, you wrote this whole play, but this whole play is actually a poem. So it's like you wrote this whole novel and this whole novel is actually a poem. Um, and just the creative genius. So she's absolutely brilliant. And it's so culturally like, even though I don't, you know, my heritage is not Hispanic, it's it just makes you so culturally aware. And just as a black woman, there were so many things that connected. And of course, you know, that Dominican heritage, which has, you know, the African roots. Um, it is so many things I resonated with. And I think that's the beauty of a good story. Even if it's not your exact story, you still can see pieces of yourself in it. So I absolutely loved it. Right. Agree for sure. All right. So another question she has is if Medusa, so this is um, Ziamara, she is, this is a quote directly from her. So she says, if Medusa was Dominican and had a daughter, I think I'd be her. I look and feel like a myth, a story distorted, waiting for others to stop and stare. What does this pastor say about Ziamara's relationship with her changing body? Okay. Clearly you resonated with this. (laughs) You know, I don't know. So the whole thing with Medusa, like when I heard it, I'll let Brittany kind of touch on the body thing. I'm just going to touch on what, how I felt about Medusa. If we think back to Medusa, now there's probably some stories of Medusa. I do not know. I would not consider myself a scholar and you know this particular section of history, these, these myths, but a lot of the stories we hear about Medusa are men going to look for Medusa. Mm-hmm. And then finding her and then obviously turning to stone. Why were they bothering her? Thank you. Leave Medusa alone. Medusa mm-hmm. did not seek these people out. She lived in her little lair. I don't, I don't even remember the myth of how she became Medusa, but they sought her out to aggravate her and then were pissed when they died. Mm-hmm. In the same way, it's like, I, I don't, I don't know. But in the same way, I feel like, Medusa is so misunderstood. Mm-hmm. 
And I feel like her story in general is just more of her. One of those things, like as you get older, you kind of realize, is the villain really the villain? Mm-hmm. Is the really the villain? No, definitely. Has she, been, has she been turned into that by her circumstances? Or have people made her that by just saying, oh, she's a monster. We must kill her. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of one of those things that like, I really love that she chose Medusa as this, as somebody that's been this like historical villain. It's like, everybody thinks of Medusa as the bad person. It's like, but wait a minute, let me think. Is is she really the villain? All these things she's gone through where, where people really are going to her, her place of residence to bother her. No, I absolutely love that's the way you introduced her. So I don't know if anybody's seen the Amazon commercial and it's Medusa and they get her some oh, yeah. shade so she can hang at the bar. And it's like this guy like trying to be like super just like gross bar guy. And right. she pulls her shades down so she can like hang with the girls and all the women are like giving her like cheers or whatever. I was like, come on, Medusa. Um, but to Brianna's point, it's so funny how we're giving this, these stories through like white male gazes and their lens um, because the reality is as especially a woman of color, it's like, I kind of vibe with Medusa, but I've always been presented as very male version of this story. Right. I mean, I was at Howard for grad school. We had a professor and she would talk about how the Greeks evolved the story of Medusa with their exposure from black women. She was like the snakes in the hair. She's like, that's dreads. You know, I was like, oh, you know, when you think about like, I've never seen hair move this way and what looks like ropes and like snakes. She's like, that's dreadlocks, you know, shout out at you. Um, grad English department, but I was like, you know, I never thought about that. Like, what did you see to create this version? And mm-hmm. the reality is we always blame snakes for like this, you know, we think about like the Garden of Eden and something seducing you. And I could right. literally see this black woman with dress seducing these white men because you're so mesmerized by her body and you get bit and now you mad. Like Brenton is talking about. So in the stories, Yamada is super curvy. She talks about being like the little chubby girl that they kind of cracked on. And then she hits puberty and baby, them, that chubby turns into curves. Everybody trying to touch her booty. Um, she has several incidents in the story where, you know, her butt is touched. The dope boy is on the stoop. See, Amada, what's up? What's up? Let me get that. I know them church girls freaky, you know, so she's getting that all the time. Grown man trying to holler. And it's assumption that because she's curvy, that she was, was doing something sexual to get thick. Like, oh, I know you doing something and I don't know about anybody listening, but I, you know, having those experiences, having a button and people feeling they can just touch you and people assuming you're super like in these provocative clothes. Anytime somebody's like, touch my butt, you know, in a very inappropriate way. I've been in jeans. You're not in baby shorts. You're not walking on the thong. You know, it's like, but I'm covered. So it's just your desire to be like, I can touch you because I can. Yeah. And, um. Her and Amon kind of had this moment where they're together. And she was like, you're not going to stand up for me? Her twin brother never stands up for her. Um, So all these things that happen about her body and sexuality and these men who are silent around her. And I so resonated with that character because I can think in my head of instances where I've been touched without, you know, being provoked, without it being appropriate. And men who are my friends being silent. And I could see on their face that they were bothered, but they said nothing to the next man. And so this idea of like having this bro code almost connects like, because at the end of the day, no matter how cool you are with me, you won't speak against another man for me and how hurt she is by that. So I love that fact because I'm just like, I'm grown and I feel, 
Because <laughs> I've had these same situations where the men in your life, and you got to stand up for yourself. So now you got to be hard. You got to be tough. You got to be strong all the time. And this strong black woman trope is so problematic. But it's like, if I don't stand up for myself, who gone? I should just keep being violated so I can feel feminine. So loved it. Loved Very it. Loved true. it. Loved it. Very true. Yes. The Amara. Yeah. A story distorted, waiting for others to stop and stare. So just super powerful, Ziamata. And like, remember her, her mom used to be super close. And she's like, as soon as I got my period and hit puberty, it's like, you and a little girl and her and her mom start beefing. Remember she beat her about them tampons? Yeah, I'm supposed to think her mama's not wanting their kids with tampons. Right. Their kids with tampons. People don't always want to feel blood rushing out of them. Right. And I thought about like even our own experience, like this idea of like tampons meaning your your innocence is gone because a good girl can never fit a tampon. Right. Mind you, a tampon is nowhere near the size of a penis. Right. Um, but that's that old school ideology of like what a good girl does, the innocence. The mama ain't really talk about a period. She didn't know what to do. Once again, old school black woman. <laughs> Thank you. And all of a sudden, she's trying to figure it out herself. So right. this body and how this body creates tension with her and her mother and tension with the men in her life. And all of a sudden, I'm not a good, innocent girl anymore. I'm this woman who has to be checked and channeled because my body all of a sudden makes me out of order. So right. love, 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 love. Which goes into question three. At one point, Ziamara's mother calls her an offensive word to describe a promiscuous woman. How does Ziamara repurpose the word rather than taking offense to it? I feel like I don't remember this part. So remember her and her mom. Remember she was like, oh, we can skip class. And remember her and her mom was out there kissing at a park child. And they got on the train and needed like one more good kiss. And somebody oh, yeah. saw her from the church. Oh, yeah. How the mama came in and she knew she was in trouble because her mama came home early and came in cussing and fussing, calling her all types of whores and different things in Spanish, like the Dominican word for just like loose girl. Mm. And so I think it's connecting back to that moment. Um, Because even the daddy was like down with it. Because I'm like, hold on, ain't the daddy known for being a hoe? Oh, yeah. He called her a hoe. He's like, but you were the really one who's out here hunching. Right. That was it. Getting drunk, touching people's thighs. So I do remember that moment. I don't know. The mom, clearly there was this relationship between Ziamata and her mom. And this expectation, I think the the mom being who she was, feeling like she almost wanted to be a nun at one point, And then no, kinda, <laughs> she wanted to be a, mom, a nun. And having this idea of what she wanted her daughter to be like. And then when Ziamata didn't fit that mold, it was like, Instead of her attempting to understand who she was, which which you did kind of get at the end of the book, but especially in this beginning part, she created this narrative and tried to make her feel bad about having a shape and having feelings for a boy, which is normal at you know this age. And instead of talking about it, it just made it seem yeah. like you should never feel that way. You should be focused on God. You should... You know, even when she began to question things within the church. So I feel like her relationship with her mom, I don't know. And I do think in some families, using language like that is okay, right? It's like, mm-hmm. don't act like this. Don't act like a hoe. And it's like, to even create that, to say those things to your daughter, to create that thing in their mind when it's just like, but what did she really do? And is that what yeah. really happened? or? 
are you impressing me? So I guess there's like this thing where you become consumed with when you have a daughter of like, I just don't want her to be this person. Mm -hmm. So instead of understanding who she is and acknowledging and praising what, you know, how good she is already, it's just like, but you could have been, but you could have done this, but it was like, but I didn't do that. I just kissed him. You know what I mean? So I don't know. There's this expectation on daughters for sure. No, definitely. There's standard. Mm hmm. And um, so often, this is going to go into our next question. So often, the pressure is put on the girl. Boys mm-hmm. are supposed to be promiscuous. They're supposed to be out there. And the girl is always the pressure to do good, to do right. Ziamata's like, you act like that. Y'all caught us rolling around in the sheets. We was kissing on a train. Thank you know, you. and I'm going to try to act like if I saw my sister go kissing the train, I'd be like, oh, no. girl, if you don't move, you know. But it's just like that you're a whore, you're loose, and. All these things you want to be these loose girls that do X, Y, and Z. Right. Um, I think it's hard to talk about this book without outside of the context of the Catholicism and then Black culture, Hispanic culture. So there's so many things that add to like this structure of what a good girl does, what the Bible says, all these different things. And so I, that means I got to do question four, which Ziamar is now saying. As I got older, I began to really see. The way that church treats a girl like me differently, Ziamata writes. When you were a teenager, what did you start questioning about things you had been taught? But before I get to that part of it, I just want to talk about like, just like church culture and like what it tells girls all the time and how big of an issue this is. Ziamata is like, as I look at the saints, as I look in the Bible, as I look at the people that you are pushing, nobody looks like me. Nobody's mm-hmm. brown. Nobody's super curvy. Nobody's super thick. Nobody a bigger girl. Um... She was like, the one person y'all want me to be like is a virgin who got pregnant. She was like, and how are you pushing me? How is Mary the one standard I have in the Bible? Right. She was like, this still don't make sense because you're really pushing me to be like a virgin mama. She was like, that's the only person you're saying I should be like. So I guess any thoughts on that? Because you know I want to get into Beyonce, child. Um, No, I mean, I totally agree. I think there still has not been a shift to make church more relatable for, I think, that age group, that's why it's like it really pays to have a good youth program and somebody who you can really feel like can make the Bible relatable to a preteen teenager. Um, and then I think just that whole white Jesus thing where it's like, <sighs> so this white is yeah, what Jesus looks like. And this is, you know, what the disciples would have looked like. And that just not being really true to geography and history and what we know. And and I think, um, especially her being in a Catholic church and there being, they're just in that particular subset of religion, being a push towards like figures and, and being able to view what those people look like and then all in all of those statues looking the same. Yeah. Um, so I for sure, I don't know. What I will say, though, is even though I think it took some time, I think the priest was actually, I enjoyed his interaction and his like piece in the story. I think he kind of did a good job of like mending the relationship between Ziamata and her mom. And I do think he try to be as realistic as he could with her about certain things. I think initially he was kind of hesitant with some of the questioning, but I think that kind of shifted at the end. But um, I mean, I totally agree with her. It's like, especially just, I don't know. It's a mix between the white Jesus culture and then just the all around 
almost unrealistic expectation of what it means to be a young Christian girl and then still trying to figure out other things. No, completely agree. So the lens of which we get Jesus to this day in black church, white church, Catholic church, Protestant church is definitely a white Jesus for the most part. I mean, you have some pastors that speak against it, but that's pretty much our theoretical lens. Um, and so when you start thinking about what does it mean to go to church? How many times in church have we seen people put that little covers on their knee? Girl, what that scarf called? That little handkerchief on your knee? Because God forbid, while I'm sitting here, the Girl, deacons no. get to look at my skirt. Do it, like in front of the whole church. And it's like, yeah. And then you, if you sit up front and your skirt right. being short enough, I mean, long enough, and then having your sleeves out, you know, your arms out, sleeveless dress, what's appropriate, making sure people don't look at you. Is that too tight versus teaching self-control from the male gaze? It's like you're always teaching women to cover up, cover up, cover up, right. cover up, cover up. Right. Um, is, you, is you looking at his face? If you look in his face, he don't think you want something. Don't sit on a lap, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, and I think it's such a history of women being taught to suppress themselves and then perpetuating that same thing onto their daughters or just teaching your son, Hey, have self-control. It doesn't matter what a girl has on. You don't have the right to do what you want to do. Right. Um, And we don't have that same conversation with daughters as we do sons. So get into church girl by Beyonce because I absolutely love it. Uh, She samples a part of, um, Oh, Lord, the Clark sisters, Sunshine, you know, so she samples a part of that. And so I don't know if y'all watch the Clark sisters movie on Lifetime. It was real good to me. Um, you know, when they wrote Sunshine, they had sampled Stevie Wonder and people thought it was blasphemous. They was like, oh, you're bringing secular music into the church. You know, we always think everything, the devil, the devil, the devil. Right. And so even her, including that in her song, Church Girl, is a whole thing. So I don't know if y'all saw recently the IG video where the black pastor, the guy was on there talking about, oh, and this Beyonce church girl and this the devil. I'm like, first of all, when did you listen to church girl? But that was the first question. Sir, I haven't even heard the song. Why do you know it? So you ought to listen to Church Girl, breaking it down, talking about how she sold her soul, blah, blah, blah. So I love the song because I think it talks about church girls and like being suppressed. Um, I think it talks about this view in which we get Christianity, all these things. And I'm not saying this should be played Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm not arguing for that. But I do think it's this super repressed ideology we get where women can never be up front, where women can never be, you know, even when we think about all the stories we get in the Bible, there are so many stories in the Bible I bet most people can think on half a hand how many stories you know about women in the Bible. Right. If I, I, I We know Esther and Ruth. Do we know Deborah? Right. Do we know JL? Do we know these other women that are prophets? Do we, You know, it's so many people. And we lean heavily on the men. So let me give you a little bit of Church Girls by Beyonce. Um, I've been up, I've been down, feel like mountains got friends that cry at fountains. I warn, I'm warning everybody as soon as I get in this party, I'm going to let go of this body. I'm going to love on me. Nobody can judge me but me. I was born to be free. And she says, drop it like a thotty, drop it like a thotty. And I think about like Zia Mata and she's like this, just because of what I look like. She was like, I haven't done anything. She's 16 talking about kissing somebody for the first time. She's like, oh, whose arm rubbed my arm? I know people wide open at 16. (laughs) You know, this idea of I'm thotty just because. Um, And then Beyonce goes. Church girls acting loose, bad girls acting snotty. Let it go, girl. Let it go, girl. Um, and this idea of bad girl acting naughty, church girl don't hurt nobody. And so I think, especially growing up as a church girl, when you think about this culture of what does it mean to be in the church, to be suppressed, to be taught, you know, you are a seductress, to be taught you have to suppress yourself, to be taught you can't be in leadership. Right. I just think so many things come up with Ziamara and I don't know. Like I said, once again, you got somebody saying in a on a pulpit now. 
on a pulpit that's now gone viral that Beyonce sold her soul because she's talking about church girls and not being able to decipher and understand. And I think there's a level of like, and this is why I say everybody needs a good English teacher, being able to dissect language. You can't read everything the same way. Yeah. Is Beyonce really telling church girls why damn be thoughts? That's not what's happening at all in that song. But that also lets me know you don't know how to read the Bible because you right. can't read everything the same way. <laughs> right. Poetry is not written the same way a story is or parable is, but I could go on and on. So I'm going to leave that there. Any more thoughts on that question before we go on? No. I think that All right. Good. So Ziamata has his twin. Is it Xavier? Sure. It's written Xavier, but I don't remember if that's how, you know, the author pronounces it. But she has his twin. He's 50 minutes older than her. Ziamata comes in with like tension. Her name is like a fighter, a struggle. You know, she like, her mother has an easy birth with the brother. And they basically think Ziamata and her mama going to die. So right. she comes in this world like fighting. She has this twin. He's super quiet. She's always standing up for him. She used to be fighting in elementary school, middle school for him. People would make fun of him. He's a loves church. He can, what she say? He teach Bible study better than a priest. He's been an altar boy, all of that. Um, and so the question goes, how does Ziamata and her twin support one another as they face pressure to fulfill certain expectations of gender and identity from their family? He's a token boy child, especially in Hispanic culture, you know, pedestal. He doesn't have to do much. Ziamata is the one who has to be responsible, has to know how to cook, kind of clean. You know, let me train you to be the perfect wife. The father don't have to do much. Um, and so they have these identity things. We learn about sexuality with the brother. So Ziamata is trying to figure out her own sexuality, not necessarily like who she's attracted to sexually, but like just coming of age as a woman. And then a brother who has this suppressed sexuality. And at first I'm like, Hmm, what's going on with this brother? Then we find out, okay, you are gay. You know, what would that ever mean to your good Catholic Hispanic family, Dominican family, if you come out. And so I guess just comments on that as they try to support each other, figure each other out. what do you think about this brother? Um, I mean, I, I do think in their own ways they supported each other. I think sometimes it really wasn't necessarily what the other person was looking for in the sense of like, the, I think the brother kind of got fed up about Ziamata always coming in and trying to play like tough guy role, beating up everybody, how she showed up to school. <laughs> Ready to fight. <laughs> right. And then at the same time, like I think Ziamata was getting kind of tired of the fact that she felt like he wasn't as vocal or as supportive as she wanted him to be. So I do think it showed how they were kind of maturing and growing as the story went on, because at one point in a relationship that was okay for them, where it was like Ziamata knew he was going to be quiet and she knew her goal or her role was to stand up for him. But I do think you start to see that shift as the story goes on and how they try to kind of evolve their relationship. Um, as it progresses. Um, but like Brittany said, I do think that like Elizabeth does a good job of trying to highlight the fact that that is kind of like a token. And it's not really just Hispanic. I do think black families do that too, where yeah. the son is coddled and there's no expectation. And it's like, oh, but then the the daughter has to do this and that and this and that. And so it's like, for sure, I think those like standards or stereotypes do roll over into a black families as well. Um, but it was an interesting dynamic. And um, I think it just shows how twins can be the same, but different. So, yeah. you know, I think it was an interesting, an interesting relationship between the two. 
yeah, to Brianna's point, they tried to be there for each other, but not necessarily, you know, the way that each other wanted. Um, right. They both go through heartbreak at different times. And Ziamata says, love just ain't in a car for the twins. Um, Xavier has Cody. She has mine. And they both are upset, you know, her right. twin. And she calls him twin. And she loves the fact that she can call him twin. I thought it was so funny because black people say twin. Like, we don't never know. The other name is like twin. Like, which one? Girl, you know twin. Um, and so you see him actually having a family that accepts his sexuality. He can be around Cody's family. I say, yeah, you know, Cody White, because they already accepting the gay high school relationship. Right. That don't really happen too much in our community. And Cody's like moving, so he's just devastated. She said, my white boy, he said, his name is Cody. I was like, you better be on ride for your man. <laughs> you know, she gets him that, I think it's the X-Men comic, but one of like a gay character in it. Um, and just saying, you know, I'll always be there for you. So while mommy and daddy, you might have to worry about um, with your sexuality. Um, your sister, I'm going to ride for you. He's right. a year ahead of him in school. He's like stupid smart. She was like, you better already leave me here for a year. So he's in 11th grade. He's like, you just got to hold on a little bit longer. He's clearly waiting. I do wonder how their interactions coming back home will be. Um, especially, you know, this story is not focused on her twin, but Ziamata. But like, what does that mean for him when he comes back home? Will he always be hiding his sexuality? You know, all these different things and her mother being right. upset that. So, but yeah, definitely gender and identity, their fam, their familial dynamics. Um, it plays out from the start. And while she thought her mother, you know, the stars shine in her eyes as they get older, it shifts. It just does. Right. I think we'll get into our last question. Okay. Um, so. so would you share this book with younger readers in your life? Why or why not? Did we say we're under uh, that question? We did. Okay. Um, you skipped one about Father Sean, but we ain't going to talk about that one. All right. So I think this book brings up so many things that teens really go through. I enjoyed it. And I'm grown. Um, it's actually one of the optional novels with our students. So I'm thinking about actually teaching this book this year, um, probably from Audible because I'm not buying no class at the books. But um, I do think it's a really good book and it, it addresses a lot of things without addressing a lot of things. I love the music choice. It's about Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole and they listen to music and they get on the train. You don't have to be from New York to understand the book. I think no matter what type of family you're in, there's often tension between parents and their children what they want, relationships, being attracted to somebody, knowing how to navigate that. You know, Ziamata at one point thinks about, like, okay, am I going to go all the way with him? And then she's like, I'm sorry, we need to stop. You know, and she's anticipating him being like, forget you, girl. You know, and that's a real thing. Like, if I don't put out, what's the thing? Having your first love move away. Um, so, so many different things. Having your parents understand you and do the poetry and get out of your shell and be smart and having a best friend. It's like, we friends, even though we live completely um, different lives. Karida, you know, which is their like third wheel. So many of my students are dealing with sexuality. So I would definitely recommend this book. I love how authentic it is to like Afro-Latinx culture, you know, Hispanic people that, you know, have African roots. Um, what else? And then just like church culture too. Like, what does it mean to be like a good Christian and all these things where you're trying to figure out your own religious space and your God relationships versus what your parents have taught you. So there's so many things I resonated with. Um, and I think it just opens up a really big story. So I think there's something in here for everybody. So I really liked this book. I really got into it. 
Totally agree with Brittany on those sentiments. I think it's a really great book. And I also think that I love like a strong woman. And I love that Ziamato was her own woman. And I think I want, you know, that's something I want my daughter to be, to have her own voice, to have, feel like she has her own power. And I love that um, Ziamato really was pushing just to be heard. Um, And so I do like her as like a strong lead. And a strong woman, I definitely would recommend this to a young reader. I think they could definitely learn a lot from the book. Um, and I think it opens up poetry to like a newer generation of kids where I feel like poetry isn't talked about as much. Uh, and so we think of poetry as like Brittany was saying, Shakespeare. And um, we think of poetry as, oh my God, why can I not think of another poet? Edgar Allan Poe, but poetry, (laughs) poetry, uh, or Maya Angelou, but poetry is, you know, we hear poetry in rap, we hear poetry in, you know, other things, you know, the poet who spoke at, what was that? It was at the inauguration? Yes. So it's like, you know, poetry is not a dying art form. So I like that she incorporates poetry and exposes it to another generation of um, young people. Definitely. So what are we ranking? What What is your star out of five? I give her like a 4.5. Yeah, I agree. I think it was really well done. Um, I think it was a snapshot into culture. I love kind of how Brianna says, like, I'm going to present this to you in Spanish and then I'll give you, you know, I give, right. like, I'm not trying to write the story for somebody else. I'm right. writing my story and then I'll give you entrance to it. But I think even when you didn't necessarily understand the language, she presented like a venue of like, you understand the sentiment. So right. I didn't have to know exactly what the mama meant when she called her that word, but I knew what she was trying to say. I said, oh, baby, she done called her out. Yeah. You know? So I think it's still a story you have to understand. And a lot of times you don't get the whole language, but you get the story. And I love when writers write with themselves in mind versus trying to appease, you know, masses or a dominant culture. It's like, no. This story is for anybody. Right. I love, like I said, the Afro-Latinx lens because a lot of times, you know, I'm in South Florida and we don't get to often see Hispanic culture on the forefront of people that look like us. We get very European Hispanic culture and so many people look like us, have our heritage, our roots. And I think it it gives voice to that community, which is often overlooked even in their media. So love, love, love it. So getting into next time, are y'all ready? Yeah, so I'll talk about the bubbly. Brittany will talk about the book. So our bubbly for next episode will be John Legend's Signature Series by LV. Um, LVE, actually, Chardonnay. Uh, So this is, we've done one of his wines before. So this is the Chardonnay. Um, This John Legend Signature Series presents harmonious wines that provide the Perfect pairing for any moment. This elegant Chardonnay is rich with complexity with notes of honeysuckle and vanilla. This is sure to seduce your palate. Only $14.99 available at Total Wines. Mm. Yes, which means you should be able to get it at Drizzly. So use our Drizzly link in order to order and have this delivered for you. And Brittany, what is our book? All right, so we're doing something a little different. So we are doing Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation. And so this book talks about like Christianity and faith from a Black female perspective. 
They said it is our table. Come have a seat at it. Um, and it's talking about faith and liberation and Christianity and different things from that. I always think about just thinking about Poet X and this book coming up. What was the Amara be like if she would have these type of women guiding her faith experiences? Would she be spitting out the wafer and the wine? Could she see herself in the Bible if these are the women telling her about Jesus? Um, and so this is a book I've got into their podcast. They actually have a podcast called Truth Table. Super dope because oftentimes women are the second thought in faith and men are pedestal, even though, especially from a black church perspective, it's majority of black women, but we are often the quiet supporting role and never using the one they get to stand to the front. Um, and so that's what this book is going to give us. So I'm very excited. It's the several essays and different things. Little longer than this one. It's about nine hours audible, but a much shorter than the one we had previously. What was the book we read? Uh, My Soul to Keep, which was about 18 hours. So we've done a variety of ranges. So longer than this one, but not really as long as like My Soul to Keep and the one we did by Sister Soldier, which was about 18 as well. So we've done some really long ones. So this is probably in between. Poet X was very short. It was like, hmm, you want to read something up for breakfast? So yes, yeah, so that's where we're headed. Yeah, so very people? exciting. Um, you know, we're gonna be trying out some new things with our recording. So um, in addition to that, be on the lookout on our social media for different announcements for the remainder of the month. Um, but I think that's all we have for August. I guess that's it. So we kind of did a July, August blend. So life be life in, but we still here rocking with y'all. And we thank every supporter we have, um, whether the U.S. or the Caribbean or Africa. Come on, motherland. Um, as we continue to get viewers globally, which is so amazing um, that you all will take the time to be with us. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, until next time, it's been real, all right. y'all. All Bye. right, y'all. Bye.